Our uh, first scripture reading today is from Matthew's Gospel. Uh, from chapter 22, I'll be reading verses 34 through 40. The uh, bulletin has sort of a run-up to where I'm going to be starting, but I'm going to start in verse 34. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I always find it interesting... Uh, about some of the things that uh, people think about. For example, if uh, FedEx and UPS uh, merged, would the company then be called FedUp? Or if uh, a bus station is where a bus stops and a train station is where a train stops, what happens at a workstation? I didn't say they were funny, just things we think about, right? And then one more, I promise. How much deeper would the oceans be if sponges didn't live in them? I'm done, I promise, okay. So the Bee Gees had this uh, 1970s hit song. It was right in the title, How Deep Is Your Love? And I am continuing my sermon series, as Kim alluded to earlier, on the dimensions of God's love. And our theme this morning is How Deep. And today, we're looking at one of the deep thinkers of the Bible, King Solomon. And so I invite you to join me as I read our second scripture of the morning from uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 12 on the wisdom of Solomon. It says that Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. Only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in, up, in, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. 
Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, give us the open ears to hear what it is that you are saying to us this morning. Give us uh, your wisdom that we might truly understand it, comprehend it. We pray, O oh God, that you would give us a faith, a strong faith that goes beyond our own human understanding. But above all, Lord, give us the courage to follow you faithfully each and every day. Through Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Well, as you just heard me read, it started one night when uh, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, Solomon, I want to give you what your heart desires. Anything you want, you just name it. What would you like? I'm wondering, what are some of the things that we might have asked for? I bet that some of us would have asked for a big house. Some of us would have asked for a big boat. Maybe some of us would have just asked for a Big Mac. But we would have asked for something probably different than what Solomon asked for. Maybe we would have just kept it simple in light of everything going on and, and asked God just to keep us healthy. Solomon says, God, I desire to have an understanding mind, able to, to discern good from evil in order to govern your people. Oh, and God was so pleased with what Solomon asked, that God gave him a wise and discerning mind. And Solomon was the PhD-ified king of his day who wanted to, to go deep with God in order to better understand the depths of God's love. Now, doesn't it seem to you that today our lives are a lot wider than they are deeper? And I think our real problem virus today is shallowness and superficiality. We live in the one age, uh, one, one hour seminar to, to, to change your life or the, the get rich quick fix because we want it today and tomorrow is just too far away. I read today that people have the attention span of a ferret on a triple cappuccino. We have things like Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and YouTube and Vimeo and TikTok. And, and they are all keeping a running commentary of our lives in real time. But sometimes I think that we're so busy documenting our lives that we're actually forgetting to actually live them. We're so, we're so caught up in casting our net wide that we forget to go deep. Well, Solomon wanted to go deep with God. And of all the things that Solomon could have chose, he chose wisdom. And friends, I think there's a lesson there for us. I think God wants us to have wisdom. Why? In order to help us to make wise choices in life. You say, well, John, then why don't we? Well, I think part of the issue of not using our minds is probably our attitudes. I think that if we were really honest with, e with each other, we would admit that we don't pray enough. I think we, we would admit that. But do we take the time in our lives to think? 
In his book, Thinking for a Change, John Maxwell identifies 11, 11 different thinking skill that, skills that come into play whenever we have to make wise choices. He says there's big picture thinking, there's focused thinking, there's creative thinking, there's realistic thinking, there's strategic thinking, there's possibility thinking, reflective thinking, questioning popular thinking, shared thinking, unselfish thinking, and bottom line thinking. Years and years and years before that, the Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, Paul says, think about these things. So we need to find the time in our lives to think and reflect. Now, sometimes I think our, our negative attitudes about using our minds actually creeps its way right here into the church. Let me ask you, why is it that the most underused, underutilized room in this church, and in any church for that matter, is the church library? One of the most beautiful rooms in this Family Life Center is the library. It's barely ever used. And it seems as if, well, reading a book on theology or church leadership or church history or, or Christian fiction or, or something or somehow thinking about God is, is a big waste of time. So do we value the life of the mind in the church? Now, one reason we may not is because historically the church has been afraid of the intellect. In fact, you may know some people in your lives, some Christians, who think that if somehow they acquire too much knowledge, it might corrupt their faith, and they're afraid of that. And they may say things like, oh, I, I don't want any more of this intellectual stuff, because after all, Christianity is a, is a matter of the heart. And so many people, when it comes to matters of faith and questions, they'll, they'll then use thinking that is, that is shallow and, and unsophisticated. Somehow believing that when you walk into the sanctuary or walk into this multi-purpose room, that I, I have to check my brains at the door. I don't think the Bible teaches that. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. In fact, one Bible translation that I found says, you shall love the Lord with all your intelligence. And so the way I interpret things is that Jesus isn't just suggesting it as it may be a good thing for you, he is commanding us as his followers to use our minds as well. There was a minister who liked to jot down in the margins of his sermon manuscript uh, some, some coaching aids to help him in the delivery of his sermon. And so he would write down in the margin at some point in the sermon, quietly and persuasively. And then maybe over on this page, it, it would say powerfully and, and with passion. Now, I think one time the preacher went just a little bit too far when he wrote down, argument very weak here, flail arms and talk louder. <laughs> well, now you know why we preachers are yelling at you all the time. There's a lot of weak arguments in the church, a lot of anti-intellectualism going on, but all in the name of faith. Solomon pursued the life of the mind. In fact, I find it interesting that Solomon became 
a celebrity, kind of an international Dr. Phil, who kings and queens would come to him to, get, to receive his counsel on matters of state. And, and just so you're wondering, uh, Solomon didn't arrogantly parade his great mind just to show it off and, and because he had to be the smartest person in the room. Remember the prayer. Lord, give your servant an understanding mind in order to govern your people. Wow, did, did God ever answer that prayer? Remember the signature Solomon story? Here come two women with one baby. And one woman says, it's my baby. And the other says, no, it's my baby. And the other says, no, it's no, my baby. No, she's lying. I'm the mother. No, no, she's not the mother. I'm the mother. And Solomon sits on the throne with his arms folded. And he listens to this, she said, she said, back and forth banter. And finally he says, well, I guess it's your word against hers, and there's no way to know who the real mother is, so I guess we're just going to have to take a sword, cut this baby in half, and give each of you half that baby. And one woman says, well, I guess so. But the other woman says, no, 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 you just give that baby to her. Please don't hurt that baby. Solomon smiles and says, I think I know who the real mother is. The Bible says that story spread throughout the land, and the people perceived that the wisdom of God was in him. As I think about politics, as I think about businesses, as I think about things in the church, wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say the wisdom of God is in him, or the wisdom of God is in her. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you with good news that God still gives wisdom to those who ask for it. And so answer these questions for yourself. Are you someone who feels overwhelmed with a difficult decision? Are you someone here today or out there who is at the crossroads of a major decision and it is actually paralyzing you in your life of faith? I don't know, maybe some of you here today would give anything to have some of that wisdom from God in your job, in your marriage, as a parent, or, or simply as a, as a church committee member. I want to tell you about a verse that comforts me as a pastor and as a parent. Whenever there are difficult decisions, it's James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you is lacking wisdom, it says, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. If you're someone who's seeking wisdom, God has placed his wisdom within the pages of his holy word. In fact, the Bible is kind of the collective wisdom of God made available to you and me. You see, I think the central mission of the church is to go deep, to place God's truth in the hands of men and women and boys and girls. And we need that transforming power of God's word to help us to go deeper in order to strengthen our relationship with him. The movie Everest is the story about uh, David Brashears, who was on Mount Everest on May 10th, 1996, when a blizzard uh, claimed the lives of eight people. Now, according to David Brashears, the root cause of that tragedy was because many of the people who were hiking up that mountain were not adequately prepared. 
fact, the day before the blizzard, David Brashear said he looked through his binoculars and he saw a, a rope line of 40 people, like a hiker's conga line. And of the 40 people, 25 of them had little or no idea what they were doing. Now, what they did have was the $65,000 uh, required to pay their guides. And so the guides were willing to take them up the mountain, despite their lack of knowledge and experience. Well, heading up the south face of Mount Everest, the most treacherous mountain on earth, were people just like you and me, kind of weekend joggers. And where it took David Brashears and his crew five weeks to acclimate themselves and meticulously prepare for that climb. These people had to go back to their carpools and their company business meetings on Monday morning. Well, someone asked David Brashears, what is the lesson for us in all this? And David Brashears thought for a moment and he said, find joy in learning how. Find joy in learning how. So let me ask you, how are you doing as you go deeper as a student of God? Are you taking enough time to think? Just remember this, every beautiful and useful thing ever created, from a Billy Graham sermon, to a Max Lucado book, to the design and architecture of our sanctuary across the street, to the sound and media equipment that allows us to broadcast our services, to a well-designed screen pass from Tom Brady, all exist because people took the time to think. And so, friends, never sell yourself short intellectually. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, yes, and with all your soul, absolutely, and with all your strength, you bet, and love the Lord your God with all your mind. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, most of us here today at some point in our lives have invited you into our hearts. That's a good thing. Today, we want to offer you lordship over our minds. Help us to know your truth, believe your truth, speak your truth, and obey your truth. We thank you that when we ask you for wisdom, you are more than happy to give it to us. We pray that the fruits of our efforts intellectually would not be just information or a way for us to show off, but Lord, give us that deep, godly wisdom that help us to live creatively, faithfully, imaginatively, and obediently for you in this world. And finally, oh God, we pray that you would stand with those who are at the crossroads of their lives and help them to be like Solomon in granting us the wisdom we so lack, but that you have promised so generously to give to us. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever.